What's up, Black Men Can't Jump comic book fans? James III here to talk to you about my comic series, Junior, available now on Kickstarter. The ghost with the most past due child support is back in four brand new issues of this semi-autobiographical supernatural comic series. It's got all sorts of spooky hijinks for fans of Beetlejuice, The Good Place, and The Mummy, stuff like that, and features award-winning artists from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and more. It's available on Kickstarter through June 9th. Go to ruleof3inc.com or follow me at ruleof3inc on IG for more details. Donate today! When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons toward your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Because shopping at Kroger, whether in-store or online, is easy. And saving money is even easier with the Kroger app. So get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Forever. Dog. <laughs> Yo, that is one thing I miss, man. Like, I miss going to like churches with my um, Southern family. Cause yo, those choirs get it in. It's just, yeah. and then people. I feel like people in the uh, congregation will have their own. Was it a tambourine? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. why you just bring your own musical <laughs> yeah, man. to church? Yeah. Just bring. It. Yeah, man. Yeah. The Lord said, make a joyful good, noise. They will tell you to stop. At my church, oh. the usher would come over and be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, ma'am. Um, and if you knew, can't you just be bringing tambourine on your first day? You, gotta, <laughs> you have to graduate you to tambourine. We got big tambouriners in here. And, you know, Sister Johnson don't like nobody tambourining with her in the second yeah. service. So, you got to start an early morning and work your way up. Let's go to this church in D.C. Like, our pastor was like, a, um, I don't know what you would call him. He was like, a hype man before um uh before uh Kurt Franklin came out. Like if somebody if someone caught the Holy Ghost and started like dancing in the um in the pews, he would even if he's the choir's going, he would come back to the mic and just start hyping him up. Go ahead, sister. Go go ahead, sister. You just you see this old lady just doing like all this. It's like, yo. All right, this we is had a, we had a pastor that used to uh steal solos because like one of my friends one of my friends a pastor he was like oh yeah they teach you if you're gonna be a black pastor you got to either be able to tell jokes or sing and so this was a singing pastor and it was just like bruh i was singing a solo in church one time this dude pulled the microphone out of his pocket and just started i'm like <laughs> and we just looking at each other singing and it's just this weird awkward do it because i also didn't like this dude and his kids <laughs> got on my nerves so I was just like, bruh. How you let a man steal your solo? I just, yeah, man, I mean, what I'm going to do? I was man, like 14. The microphone I just put the microphone from? back in the stand, walked back up to the tennis section. I was like, you got it, bruh. Like, I'm not. And then he got on the mic and he was like, after the song, he's like, you know, sometimes young fella, you just got to let the spirit move in you. I'm like, bruh, wasn't no room. This was a solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What were you trying to say, James? Just where did the microphone come from? Like, like so if you look at like a choir robe, they got little like a pastor robe. They got slits on the side so you can reach inside the slit into your pocket. He just had a cordless mic in his pocket for like doing the altar call because he would come down and then come down to the altar for the altar call at the end singing. But 
I guess he just really liked the song we was doing, and he just got up, pulled that okay. mic out. And <laughs> but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a backup mic. Like he wasn't like this is like for just in case this I need is, to just. <laughs> this is a, every Sunday I'm gonna use this mic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never, you never know when you're gonna catch the the Holy Ghost, man. And you gotta start, you gotta start singing, you gotta start preaching. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, more power to him, shoot. Yo, you know, covered yeah. by the five bloods of Christ. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, as Wait, a fan what? of the show, I've been preparing myself for this. <laughs> Wait, what? And even, <laughs> even in the moment. <laughs> it makes you sad, right? The shock. Like, <laughs> Cause I'm always like, like I know. Other I people, mean, you like, know, if you get, you know, you catch. All, listen, man, as a Christian, you got to be covered by the five bloods. <laughs> First off, Jeff, I just want you to know that feeling you had when you heard it, and then it just something in you just slowly dripped away. That's what we feel every episode. Like you can't describe the sadness; it just hurts. <laughs> listen, man, shit, the five bloods are crazy. <laughs> when you're forgiven, you are covered by the five bloods. Also, the fact that it's the five bloods makes me like why why can't it just be five bloods, man? Alright, let's just start the show. The five bloods. You know what it is? Jonathan Raylock, James the Third, Drop Milligan, What more can I say? You know what it is? Black men can jump. Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Wait, is it Quarantine City? Hollywood City, we back. <laughs> you ain't getting Paul. <laughs> you ain't, Yo. You ain't getting Paul. Not Paul. <laughs> you ain't killing Paul. Paul. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Paul. The only thing makes it funny is your face. <laughs> no one, no one will Paul. see it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, we're doing this movie anyway. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> this incredible voice that uh, did the uh, amazing intro just a couple of seconds ago. Why you got a jacket on? <laughs> this is Jonathan Braylock. <laughs> this is Gerard Milligan. <laughs> And this is James the Third. I'm mad because people can't see, but John tried to say his thing and then like fix his collar. I'm like, <laughs> nigga, it's summertime. <laughs> we see you. <laughs> All right, wait, 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 we got a guest. Hold on, let me get ready. <clears throat> oh, okay, yeah. And <laughs> Hold on. we do have a s- special guest in the studio today. Gerard's. <laughs> All right, Jeffrey Taylor's in the house, everybody. <laughs> I don't up, know what guys? that drum roll was, but... But you, but you hit a... Was, you hit a ch- okay, hey, okay a, little, little, what's up, a, Okay, I know I'm coming in. I'm like the super fan of the show. Y'all give Gerard a lot of trouble about his drum roll. We do. I just want to say something in defense of it. What? It's a bad It's a bad snare drum roll. Wait, wait, tell me. Okay, good start. <laughs> so, so, this is a good start of the defense. I, I, I this is a great start to the defense. I played drums in the church. I played percussion growing up and all that stuff. It's a bad dr- snare drum roll. Okay, you just said but what that. I think. <laughs> what I think you're going for is actually a timpani drum. So you, 
Yeah. I don't know if y'all remember like I'm going for that. Uh, okay. Star Search when they okay. used to do the thing. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going like for. The, boom, 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 so just stop saying it's a snare drum and you'll be all right. Because <laughs> what's it called? It's more of a a timpani drum. Timpani. See, I, the whole time I was going for a timpani drum. Thank you. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel yeah. like you could have got into the defense, but I was saying it's a bad snare drum a few times. <laughs> and it goes like, hey, I just want to make that clear because if any, no, that's if a any great professionals defense. were listening, I just wanted them to know that I agree that it is a bad snare drum. Okay, this is the third time you said it. <laughs> it's a good timpani drum. Like you said it three times, bro over here proving he can do it right. James just laughing. <laughs> this has been great. This defense has felt a number right. of times. He said, "I don't know if you guys know this, drum. but uh, this is a podcast where we review the films of leading black actors. We talk about them in the context of race and diversity in Hollywood. And uh, today we are reviewing The Five Bloods by Spike Lee. Spike Lee joint on Spike Netflix came out a couple of weeks ago. Um." This is going to be a weird year, so who yeah. knows what's going to happen? But uh, I think I think it's doing well. It's still in the still trending. Yeah, I think it's like number three or something like that, or number two, number three. Um, uh, he got a good budget for it. Was like uh, like yeah, he got like close to forty five million. So that's not bad. It's pretty good. It's very easy um, to find on Netflix, unlike some other black things damn Netflixes. <laughs> actually you know what you're right i wonder what you're talking you about right. but you're right that sounds that sounds right yeah familiar. that sounds right uh, <laughs> we know what so, he's talking uh, about defy blood star- starring uh delroy lindo jonathan majors clark peters norm lewis um and isaiah whitlock jr i believe so. and D black panther <laughs> yes and of course and and, and Chadwick Boseman. Um, the Black Panther. I know some of these guys, like Isaiah and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and Clark Peters were both on um, The Wire, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the one who says she yeah. did it in the movie. No, but no, that's that's actually not him. <laughs> Wait, he's not the one who says she. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he, what? At least. He's not. That is oh him. no, you're right. No, you're that's right. Him. That's, that's him. him. That's him. That's him. Sorry, I keep thinking that. Um, yeah, he says shit in the movie. Wait, he's in like season four, right? He's like a politician. I feel like. But it's funny because I like you just put this man catchphrase in the movie. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> four. Four. Immediately, sorry, I keep, immediately I keep, going to who wrote this? <laughs> James, I'm sorry. I'm staring at you because I know your mic is crazy. So like yeah, I don't know. Blink, it was I'm four writers again. Was it one of the people who um Yeah. Well, let me see. Who wrote um Black let's see. It's Danny Bilson, this white dude. Paul DeMio. Yo, huh? one of these dudes wrote um Danny Bilson wrote The Rocketeer. I love that movie. Kevin Wilmot. He's black dude. Yeah, he him and Spike also wrote Black Klansman. Which one was that? Kevin? Yeah, Kevin Wilmot and Spike Lee. Um so what are we what else is this is there to say? Oh, Rotten Tomatoes right now, ninety one percent. Ninety one percent though the audience score is fifty seven percent. I think Damn. the audience score got trolled though, to be honest with you. Which happens sometimes on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. I don't think that's a real audience score. I think that's like a attack. Like a <laughs> Yeah, they were like, <laughs> like they were a like coordinated attack. 
Hey man, but you know what though? Like, you know, it's cool if they troll Rod Tomatoes because, you know, people troll presidents. Like I just saw footage, we're not political, but I saw footage of um, our president in Tulsa and he had a bunch of empty seats because people got all the seats and didn't show up. So sometimes trolling can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. But I, I literally just... Like, sometimes it can be good. Did you guys um, see that? We're not political. Sorry, let me not get into politics. <laughs> it's just has talking to do about politics. the president. It's like, did you guys see the photo? It's like, Sorry, really, it's just nobody well, in the background. It's Sorry, just, James, but. Is just talking about the president political? Like, just by sort of saying the president? I don't... Well, you know what? It might not be political. We could be talking about reality TV because he's a reality TV star. So I'm going to lean into that. <laughs> It's unscripted and it proves why things should be scripted. Um, That's some more you know. So this movie is about uh, a Vietnam War uh, unit that decided to go back to Vietnam. And at first we're like, why? And then you realize it's because they buried some gold. They trying to get that back. Um, There's only four of them. They were called the Five Bloods. There's only four of them. But then the son of one of them dealt Delroy um, joins, so there's five of them again. Um, that young feel, actor. Feel like that's all uh, I have to say. That young actor, what is his name? Um, Jonathan Majors. Uh, he is going to be starring in um, Lovecraft Country on HBO, which is mm-hmm. is going to be such a big deal. It's like one of HBO Max's first big budgeted um, shows. Is by um, Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. So it's like. Mm-hmm. The book is really cool. So you not to plug a random book, but like if you read that book, if you get the book, you should read it. Anyway, uh, he was also a co-star of the last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes, yes, he was, and I think he was in White Boy Rick. Yeah, he was. I didn't see that. He, you know, it was, it was. I think it, it I think the trailer made it look really good, and then when you saw it, it's like it was a fine movie. It wasn't bad. It was like yeah, okay. it was okay. Yeah, it was cool. Um. All right, shall we do initial thoughts? I mean, we're here. We're here. Jeff, you want to start? Want to kick us off? Yeah, I had a few, like, random thoughts, just, like, (laughs) especially starting the movie. Like, I'm not a big, like, war movie guy. I grew up, I grew up with my grandparents, so my granddad was always watching, like, uh, The Duke and, you know, all them fucking movies, all the movies they were, like, talking shit about, (laughs) like, uh, Rambo and prisoner of war and all the uh chuck norris movies and stuff and what it kind of made me think of was like what is my responsibility as like a black person to like (laughs) watch stuff like this like i love spike lee so i probably would have watched it just for that but if spike lee wasn't directing this movie am i like obligated as a black person to just be like what's a black movie about black soldiers so i gotta watch it because if i don't who's gonna go see it i mean So I thought a little bit about that and just like how I feel about stuff like that across the board. Like I was having nightmares after Get Out just because like I was like, we got to go see this black black horror movie. Like if we don't see it, who will, you know? And then what I really like was thinking about was just how few stories of black soldiers that we get to see, period. I mean, especially like this war where so many black people were going and you could really like there was like a a marketed contrast between like what was going on there and what was going on here while they were gone and 
you know, the whole dichotomy of like, we're fighting for rights that we don't even have, but that's every war, you know? And kind of like when you guys talked about um, glory and you realize that's just, that's movies about the white dude. And there's no real, I mean, there's a, there's a World War II movie, but Spike Lee did that one too. And there's not really any black World War One stories. You know, you don't see a lot of black cowboy stories and, uh, you know, all these wars that black people clearly help fight and clearly all the stuff that black people clearly help secure. And then you think about, I mean, not to get political, but the whole like, you're disrespecting the flag. It's like, nigga, we was there too. Like my ancestors were there too. Like my people were there spilling blood, killing people, getting killed just like yours were. And that doesn't give anybody any right to like tell us how we can like protest or how we can demand the rights that we are, are promised. But so many people use that like, we fought for your rights argument against black people and black movements and it's just like no we fought for our rights and we haven't gotten them yet and that's why people are mad not to get political but that was like kind of really my initial like thoughts of like what i'm probably gonna like take away from this movie is just like how much of our stories are missing in some of the most like over <laughs> oversaturated genres of like American film history is just like, you know, you, if you watch the movies, you wouldn't think there was any black cowboys or black world war one, world war two or Vietnam soldiers, or maybe there was like one in a platoon, but that's just not the truth, you know? So, I mean, I appreciate Spike for kind of showing a more realistic view of it. And then my last thing was like, this movie was fucking violent, dude. Like, it was like, I wasn't expecting like the, almost the goriness of it, but that's just the reality of war. You know, we always, we're used to seeing movies where it's like, people is like, uh, and then they dive to the side and just fall down. But he had pools of blood spilling out of people. You were seeing like kill shots and that just kind of really woke me up to like what the reality of war is for the people who are in it, you know? that's it yeah i just to just to follow that like my mom texted me while i was watching it and um and i I said oh i'm watching i'm watching the five bloods that spike lee movie and she was like oh cool uh like are you watching that you just watching that are you doing it for bmcj and i was (laughs) like you know i'm doing this for bmcj (laughs) like i wouldn't be watching i i don't like war movies so i wouldn't be watching this period um but like what i what i loved about the movie was how like they sort of brought they kept sort of talking about that like we've been here we've always been here we've been fighting all these wars um and 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 you know knowing that to be true it was just it was like oh right and and also like <laughs> no one talks about this like this is not <laughs> We, you're, we're never going to find a movie where someone's like, we fight in every war, you know? Um, so I thought that that was, I really liked that. I really liked um, how we got to sort of see, we got to sort of hear these sort of uh, five, you know, disparate uh, black opinions about like the war and about like what it means to fight. And we got to he- sort of, we got to hear from the people of Vietnam, like, you know, this, this is my connection to it. And 
we got to, you know, we got to see people talking about, you know, the Ameri- calling it the American war versus like, you know, how very, how on the American side we refer to, refer to it as the Vietnam war. Um, it was just nice to sort of, I feel like live in this world. Um, and I like the way that sort of, it feels like Spike is unapologetically being like, this shit happened, you know, like, and this is the pain of these people. Um, I I really, li- I liked that. Now, that being said, I don't like watching these movies, so I was upset and cursing at John and Jara for making me <laughs> watch this for the pod while it was going on. Um, uh, but really, but ultimately, you know, like, like the movie ended and I felt horrible <laughs> you know like I, I felt like complete shit and then immediately after watched um haunting of hill house and had the same feelings <laughs> you watched hill house <laughs> yeah <laughs> had the same feelings while watching hill house that i had after watching uh defy bloods like just sort of a feeling of uneasy you know like i don't know um i i loved it though. i thought the acting was really great and i, I thought it was well directed and 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 you know lo- love me some spike lee um, want me to go, Bray? Yeah, man, I agree with John and Jeff, but I didn't like this. Um, <laughs> man, I, man, whoo, man, I didn't like this movie. Um, you know, it's crazy because I agree with Jeff where it's like, I I think the thing that made me continue to watch it, because I think I would have watched it anyway outside of Black Man Can't Jump because I think we talked about it on the podcast recently. Black black people have fought in almost every war, but we are never the focus of the war movie. So I was really excited to see a movie about like I thought. You know, I thought there were gonna be more flashbacks to what they dealt with in Vietnam um, during the Vietnam. Oh, sorry, the American War, uh, uh, but it wasn't. Um, like uh, what's Elroy's character's name? Um, Paul. 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 I understand had PTSD, and I think. Uh, Delroy played him wonderfully, like straight up wonderfully. But this was a movie, and I felt honestly, I felt like I say Braylock, he's probably gonna get mad, but I felt like I was bored, and I started doing what I feel like Braylock would do to movies he doesn't like, which is like to start poking holes. Like I could not just stop <laughs> poking holes throughout the whole movie. Like this don't make sense. That don't make sense. And I think it's because I just wasn't. Again, I'm not saying the movie was bad. It was just like this. The script, some certain parts of the script just didn't make sense to me. And I was just like, what is happening? Also, um, Rachel said the same thing. Um, James has said via text, like, you know what? This movie just makes me want to see uh, a Spike Lee play, <laughs> you know, versus like a Spike Lee movie. And then also I felt very weird about um, the surviving, surviving cast. Um, I guess we get to that. Something about that surviving cast bothered me and I understood um, why... Uh, the female lead wasn't black and I understand why she was French but something about it should have been like oh this woman should be Vietnamese um, I got like little problems with the movie and I guess maybe we'll talk about it and I, they won't be problems but it, I, I would never I don't need to watch this again I don't think I would suggest it to anyone really I think the best part to me sorry not be done is the opening because Spike Lee has this masterful craft of like giving you these wonderful monologues but also um showing you real life events that happens. So it's like, there is a real context to it. And I wasn't expecting to see 
you know, there's so many images from growing up when you watch like um, world history of like, um, sorry, the the monk who set himself on fire, um, that Vietnamese guy, um, there is the photo of him being shot in the head, but I didn't know there was actual footage of these things. And like Spike sets you up with the photo, but then showed the footage of it. And I was like, man, I didn't want to see people die in real life, dude. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's how I felt. It was like, I guess it's an, oh, what, Bray, what do you say? It's like, I, I, I like, I don't love it. Like, what is it? I feel like, what's the phrase? And something like that. It's like, it's cool. Yeah, I actually said, I lo- <laughs> we were talking about movie and I said, I love it. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. I think this one is, it's cool. I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. What about you, man? Uh, yeah, it's tough because I I do want to say, like, I think a lot of people really do like this movie. And I think this movie, this movie does a lot of things that are pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I think the acting in it is spectacular. Um, I think the, there are certain scenes that like really stand out and the overall um, kind of messages in the movie are, are strong um uh yeah but i i guess i i am feeling a little bit of what you guys what you're feeling like i i wasn't fully engaged i think like it's tough though because there's it's so hard for me to tell how much of this is because i'm watching it on a television screen mm. you know what i mean without other people without like an audience full of people um and how much of it is because of what the movie itself is you know because i was trying to think like there are certain movies like there spike for me has always been a little like hit and miss. Like I've always been like Mm -hmm. every movie I can see his intention. Every movie there's beautiful cinematography, beautiful shots, like pretty much every movie there's great acting. It's like all that, but like sometimes he can go a little overboard uh, personally. And then, and then so like I'm, I start to get a little disengaged as like a movie viewer and it's like, it feels a little bit more like homework. Um, um, which isn't like a, which I feel for other, you know, directors too, you know, like, let's just like get this out of the way. Like I like this movie more than I like the Irishman, you know, yes. <laughs> like yes. this movie had a hell of a lot more to say. And that movie got nominated for like 12 Oscars. So like, you know, when I, when I'm, when I'm thinking about it in that kind of context, uh, I'm like, yeah, I freaking, this movie is much better than that. And had better acting personally, I think, and had a, like a a cooler story and whatever. I think the, um, the going back, I'm with you, I do feel like I thought I was going to get a little bit more what happened in Vietnam. And at a, and at a certain point it was like kind of going like do back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, Oh, cool. But then like at a certain point, the movie just pretty much stopped. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to get into spoilers. So if you want to watch the movie and not have it spoiled, you should just go now. Anyway. What's up, folks? This podcast is sponsored by Earning. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so watch your payday. The money you earn could be in your hands today with Earning. Earning is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earning app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Think about it. Say you're going out for a special date or 
It's getting hot, y'all. You might need a fresh outfit for brunch or something nice. Or maybe you just want to feel good and take yourself to dinner. Earning can help you today. Make earning a part of your financial routine. Enjoy earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earning, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Download Earner today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Jump Under Podcast when you sign in. It'll help the show out. Jump Under Podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period. See Earning.com slash DOS for details. Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. So you open Google Chrome on your phone. You're hunting for a super rare first edition vinyl of a band you're obsessed with when you're supposed to be working. But this site you tapped on seems pretty shady. And Daryl from IT just jumped up from his desk. Oh no, he's coming your way. It's a good thing built-in malware protection keeps you safe and sound. Not from Daryl, though. Sorry. There's no place like Chrome. Download Google Chrome on your phone. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I- I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Will Arnett. I, we, are inviting you to follow us as we go on tour and we take our podcast, Smartless, on the road. Join us and watch any boundaries we previously had disappear. Like you've never seen us before, you'll see us on the road ordering lunch, roasting each other, and on stage as we surprise each other with a mystery celebrity guest in each city. Boy, that sounds amazing. Welcome to to Smartless! Don't miss our new series, Smartless, on the road, streaming May 23rd, only on Max. Subscription required. But like at a certain point, you know, you realize the reason that they did that is because like they wanted to show you something that happened, like how Chadwick died. And um, so they like kind of stopped going back. And I realized like I was like, oh, I don't I actually I'm not sure if I fully understood the bond between these five men. Like I understood the bond more in the f- in the present day than I understood it in the past. I didn't fully understand who Chadwick's character was. Like they said it, like they told me, mm-hmm. but I didn't really see it that much. And so that's what made it hard. Um, and that balance was tough, o- almost to the point where I was like. I was like, yeah, I either needed to see a lot more of the past or like a lot less of it. Um, 
like i don't know i don't it, it was a tough thing but um but there's a lot of things that are really cool that he did right and um there was a lot more humanity to this war movie than i think a lot of war movies have a lot of war movies they only have the humanity it's like good guys we're good guys all of those people are bad guys and this movie the 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 protagonists you know you could tell like weren't that great like they all had their problems and then the quote unquote bad guys had a real reason to like feel the way that they felt you know what i mean now it still ends up that the quote unquote bad guys all die <laughs> and most of the good guys do, but some of the good guys are left. So, you know, you still have that trope. But anyway, I'm down to to talk more about it. I think there's a lot in here, though. This is going to be a cool podcast episode because there's a lot to talk about. The American um, can, I pick, can I piggyback off something yeah. you just said, um, John? I, I agree with you about, like, I think that's something that Spike does a lot where he tries to cram, like, two or three movies into one movie. Like, I was, I was thinking a lot about, like, Jungle Fever and how he tried mm. to tackle, like, interracial dating and the crack epidemic and it's kind of like why why both of those things in one movie but it's also like niggas don't be getting money that's right i got this crack movie and i got this interracial love movie let's put it in the pot let it simmer and see what comes out and i kind of felt like spike had more of a like it was almost like this should have been two movies it should have been one movie that was just all of them in vietnam together like the old school stuff, way more Chadwick, way more like of them so we can understand their bond. Cause I found myself like, why are these niggas listening to him? Yo, whole like, time. I understand on like a on like a on like a soldier level, I get it. He's your commanding officer. But when he's sitting around, he's like, see what you got to understand, brother. I'm I'm like, why what so because he's leading you through battle, that means you have to also like accept all of his like philosophies about life as well maybe that's a thing of war but i would have liked to see more of that and understand more of why they pledge such like allegiance to him and then another movie is like them going back for the gold and them confronting all these demons but i felt like it kept just being like we're going back for the gold here's a demon because you remember what storm and norman said right and then here comes a swipe for the flashback and we go back in time, but I I think that's just like it's just like a thing that Spike does where he crams a lot into into one movie, and you're almost like I mean this movie's two and a half hours long, like bro, this could have been two really good movies that were connected, but not necessarily like jumping back and forth. Like yeah, I that. feel like he had time because the things I agree. I I don't know if it had to be two movies, but I do think like we could have had. Two and a half hours is a long time. So I feel like there were certain yeah. parts of this movie we just didn't need, especially in the present time. The only real present scene I really needed before they got to Vietnam, or they in Vietnam, is when I see Delroy just dancing. When I see my man just like dancing <laughs> through the club. Like that's the only part I really needed. Other than that, Why is like that one, the one I kept thinking, <laughs> wow, Chadwick lost all this weight for these scenes. Um, because uh it was such a it was such a, dra- a drastic change in body for like 10 minutes which i get but also like yeah. you could tell they wanted this movie to be like apocalypse now hint the first time they get to that club for some random reason behind the dj is a sign that says apocalypse now uh, i love that i did too but i was like but i thought that was going to set up 
I thought that was going to set up what the flashbacks were because Apocalypse right. Now is known as like one of the most, besides um, Sleepy Prior Ryan, is one of those like graphic accounts of war. Um, and yeah, right. I agree with what you said, Bray and Jeff. It's just like, I needed to see the war or or how the bond was made because again, I didn't know Paul was one of the commanding officers or again, we hear about Storm and Norman, but it reminded me of like an improv scene where they're like, don't talk about people who aren't in the scene. In this movie, it's just like, you heard what he said then. You heard what he said then. And it's like, this dude isn't really a part of the movie. Like, unless we show up to Vietnam and he's still alive somewhere, like in Apocalypse Now, and you like, he turns into the bad guy. Like, I don't want to keep hearing about this dude who's not here. I don't know. And we didn't even see enough flashbacks to hear him really give these speeches or or prophesize or anything. It's just like, you almost didn't even need that dude. Just be like, we buried gold. And like, we're going to go get the gold. I don't I don't know. It was just a I mean, there's something interesting about what that character could have meant, but I I don't know like if if there wasn't if there were no flashbacks, kind of what Jeff is saying. Uh then I I actually think it would have felt different. The because we saw him, we were like this dude and that doesn't say anything about Chadwick Boseman it's just like it was just like we didn't see enough like and so they were talking all of this stuff and then we and then we saw what you know Spike wanted us to see from this guy and it wasn't enough especially because he already set us up with the real leaders of that time right we saw clips of Martin Luther King speaking and Muhammad Ali speaking out you know out against the war like we saw this stuff and so like who Chadwick was, I we didn't I I still don't actually even fully understand his point of view. Like, I mean, we can talk let's talk about I mean we could just skip to that part. Like there's a part where he's like um they have this woman speaking to the black GIs and she's like, Black GIs, why are you, you know, basically like uh, back home in America, Martin Luther King uh was killed. He spoke out against this war. He was fighting for the rights of you. Why are you here? You know, which is, which was real. This stuff like really yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. And it was a real thing that like black American soldiers had to like, it was like, why are we doing that? Again, we're fighting again, a war that has nothing to do with us while we're still, we still don't have freedoms in our own country. We, we, we doing, we're doing this over and over. We fought in the revolutionary war. We fought, you know in the war of 1812 we fought in the civil war we fought in um every war the world war one and world war two and it's like and every time black soldiers came back and they didn't have equal rights you know and it's like here at vietnam on top of that yeah on top of that in world war two like they use the same tactic so it's like if we're looking at the amount of time that's passed between world war two and the vietnam war you're basically telling me that Ain't shit changed to the point where the Vietnam, like, army can basically, and the government can basically use the same tactics that Nazi Germany used (laughs) in order to try to get black people to kind of turn their back on their own military. It's like, you haven't done anything. It's nothing new. I'm sure they heard those same stories from their father. You know, we kind of saw that illustrated in in Watchmen on HBO, where it's just like, you, there, there is this, like, real um conflict of being a black soldier for america and 
you just don't get a chance to like see that really explored a lot. And I think with Chadwick, I'm like, I thought Chadwick was great in the movie. And like when he first came in, that first like helicopter scene and right. they got shot down and he was like, boom, give me the grillet launcher. Boom, yeah. Boom. And like the last little shot where he's just like walking calmly, like spraying. And like, I know I'm sound like I'm really loving violence. But <laughs> I was more looking at him. I was more looking at him as like an actor in that moment. Right. I was like, this motherfucker's cool. Like, I'm like, hell yeah. If I see somebody like that on the battlefield, I'm going to follow him on the battlefield. Whatever he tell me go left, I'm going right. left. If he tell me go right, I'm going right. Because he looks like he knows what he's doing. The disconnect for me was how do we get from that to we're all sitting on our helmets, not in a circle, but like right. <laughs> Jesus and the disciples where I, he's over here and we're all over here. <laughs> and everything he's saying, we like, yeah, brother, yeah, you know, and like Paul is, you know, that one where he's like, I don't know, man, I, and he's got the anger, you know, he's Peter, you know, for all of my Christians and <laughs> theologians <laughs> out there, but I just wanted to understand, because like I wrote a note, I was like, is this supposed to be like, what if Huey P. Newton got drafted and went to Vietnam, or one of those more radical figures who didn't do what Muhammad Ali did, which was interesting that they started with that because I was always I'm always been curious about how black soldiers felt about Muhammad Ali choosing not to go. And we never really hear that side of things. I think we kind of all sweep it up as this like this was like a heroic American thing that people didn't understand at the time. But now we're like on top of it. But if I was over there in the war and somebody's like, I'm not going I don't know how I would feel about that. I don't know, so, man. My uncle, went, that. my uncle went. He just started talking about it to me uh, recently. Like, I always knew he went to Vietnam, but he never spoke about it ever. Like, ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. And now he just started to, because I think apparently, like, he's me older now. Um, he was one of, and I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Unc. I think he was in the Air Force. So he's one of the guys. I just know he was one of the guys who would jump out of the plane. When like, like paratroopers. Yeah, yeah. So he was like the jump out of the plane dude. And the thing you I think they talk about in movies a lot is that a lot of those people never actually make it to the ground because either the plane gets shot down or you're just like like Spray even, it down. Yeah, because I, I it's funny uh, uh I, I went parachuting yesterday and like some of the guys that were there were old military people and he's like, Yeah, man, the thing is, like you just float. And it's like you're just yeah. floating. It's, you can't yeah. do shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so he just started talking about it. And I think now, I don't know to an extent, but he, my mom told me that, like, I guess he opened up to my um, stepdad that he is having, like, you know, shoulder pains. And, like, I guess he still has some type of nightmares. I don't know to the extent. But, like, I know he didn't want to go. Like, I definitely know he did not want to go. But, like, if you didn't go, you went to jail. Unless you were, like, President Donald Trump or somehow you just didn't go when you were of age to go. Mm-hmm. We're not political. I'm just saying my man could have went, but he did somehow he didn't go. I don't know how he didn't go. But um Yeah, they found they find some work around. Like yeah. some but he went excused absence. And yeah. he was like the thing is he's like, you know, you go over Okay, I do know this part. I'm sorry if I'm misquoting you. I do know he's like you go to Vietnam to fight in a war and you are fighting like townspeople. He's like it's people of all ages. I think the the age limit for who could um, enlist over there was different and he's like you, you're fighting people of different ages and the thing is you go over there and they don't want to harm you he's like because if you were black they they didn't want you there 
And like they knew you didn't want to be there. So it was like this weird standoff kind of situation. And I guess people always talk to them like, yo, stop fighting this white person's the white American war. And, and so he's like, it was always this conflict because you had to, but they know you didn't want to be there. You knew you didn't want to be there. But then you knew like you go over there thinking that like, okay, I'm going to fight this war for like America. When I come back, America's going to treat me well. But so many Americans hated that war, period. So even if you were white, People still shitted on you. So when you came back, it was like, what, 1975 or something like that? So you were in in the civil rights movement, like heavy. So it's, you got crapped on over there. A lot of your friends died. You saw all this brutality just to come back to America to have no jobs, no health insurance, no money. And then America itself hates you still after you just went through all this. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, like watching this movie, I'm looking at um, Delroy's character and I go, I know he has a lot of problems, but there's something about that anger, which is that dude has probably been shitted on by white people his entire life. You know, he accidentally killed like his, you know, spoiler, like somebody he really loves. Like he he has been through the most amount of shit and America just doesn't help him. Like a lot of those programs for the veterans aren't good. Like I worked at the veteran um, office in D.C. Like those programs, man, are getting better, but they're not where they need to be. A lot of them are homeless because we just let them not have jobs. I don't know, man. This war is a war that was... I know all of them are trash, but like this one in particular. And it was like 25 years. Oh, yeah. It's one of the worst. It's just... It was so long. It was de- literally decades. Yeah, it was 25 and, years, I think, man, which is crazy. And um, and we're fully... You know, if you watch that... If you watch the, like the Ken Burns Vietnam War doc, like it's just... We are fully the bad guys. Like it's... Yeah. We went to another country... And and try to like establish overthrow another country's government, basically, like you know. And and, and I'm not trying to. I understand there's South Vietnamese who like believed in democracy and wanted that or whatever. But it was like it had we had no business in another country. You know what I mean? Like trying to solve whatever differences the people of that country were having. Like um, it was so, <laughs> and, and, and then when you think about it, like exactly what you said, like the people who are fighting, those are towns. It's like people who are, it wasn't like some, you know, grand army. Like these are people who are like, this is where I live. I'm going to fight for my land. Like, I just think about, like, think about if you were here and like a bunch of people from some foreign country, like were literally just in your streets and they were like, yeah, sorry, we have to, you know, you guys have Trump and he's terrible. So, like, we're going to force you guys to not have that. And we're like, well, we're trying to do that, too, actually. So, like, let us do that. They're like, no, 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 we're going to do it. Um, and we're going to kill you guys in the process if you try to stop us. You know, you'd be like, OK, actually, I don't know if I'm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm cool with this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm with that. You know, I'm not going to let you just, like, come into my country and tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a weird thing. So. Um, um, yeah, man. I mean, it's, I actually, so I, I like the, and maybe it's because I just didn't get enough of the Vietnam War stuff. Like, I think the scene that you're talking about, Jeff, when they, they fly in on that helicopter, like it's cool action scene, but the, all, to me, all of the meat, like all the meat of this movie comes from these guys kind of coming back. So it's like, that's what it, you know, it's this movie start. I mean, there's this whole clip thing of, that Gerard talked about the newsreel clips and stuff of what was happening around the time of that time. But then what we do is we're in the present, they're in this hotel, they're back in Saigon 
and they are they're there for like a trip we don't know exactly what and there's we know there's only four of them even though it's called the five bloods um but we see them like we already see like some of the personality we see all the different personalities coming out you know they're in the club they're like they're having fun um Delroy tells everybody he voted for trump he has a trump he has a uh, he's got to make, make America, America great. great again. What was his reasoning again? Does he did he say? He's he said he he basically said like I've been getting fucked over for so long. I want mines now. And like there was something about what Trump was was promising mm. that he was like this felt like finally the moment where he could be seen and finally get respected. Uh, right, like immigrants well, were taking had, our jobs. Oh yeah, yeah I think he, he had he was like, like a lot of. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've heard people in my own family back in the day say stuff like that about you know how you know back in the day all the jobs that a lot of like Latino people have now, like like custodial work and nannies, maids, all that stuff was done by black people. And then, I mean, I think a lot of them <laughs> did feel like well, they just came in and like took our jobs, even though we were, I guess, quote unquote, aspiring to something better. I just felt like it was it's like a real easy cop out to just like blame the people who are coming over and trying to like get work as opposed to like blaming the people who built the system and like cast us out. But I, I definitely I personally heard that sentiment from like a lot of kind of like older black men, especially where it's just like we don't have what we deserve because somebody took it out. Yeah. There's that historical perspective of like, that's why there were like, you know, poor immigrant white uh, people who came over to America and hated black people because black people were like working for cheaper and like took their, and like, we're like, Oh, we, we can't work because all these black people have these jobs. And so we hate black people now. You know what I mean? It's like all this different stuff. You mean and like every mob movie where like all the mobsters always are like immigrants and we got feel sorry. And it's like, yeah, your life was bad too. But then all of a sudden they always end up saying the N word like in casino, like in Godfather, like in, um, uh, honestly, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, almost every mob movie somehow there's a piece of monologue, or like, uh, what is the one with um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, um, uh, The Departed. Literally, The Departed starts with Jack Nicholson making a monologue about the different races, and he gets to the blacks, calls them the 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 N word with the er, and talks about how crappy they are. That also happens in Casino. I think where they beat up Sam Jackson. Like when I think about this, it's, it's so crazy because um, yeah, everyone always points the finger to somebody else where it's like somehow black people are always at the bottom of the, the, the caste system. Like even yeah. if like our immigration doesn't matter, like our poverty doesn't matter. It's like, Oh, it, I don't know, man. It just frustrates me so much. Cause I've definitely heard this story about like, um, um, especially like, I, uh, Italian immigrants coming in and how bad it was. I'm not saying it wasn't, but if you watch a lot of these movies and, and I think even the new Sopranos movie that's coming out, it is the battle between like um, that mob and the blacks. And it's like, yeah, I'm just so tired of seeing like the poor black people who built America always pitted against people because they had it bad, but like we can't have it bad too. I don't know. Sorry, James. I hear you. To, I that, you to, that, say, to that same end, I, 
I loved this scene and felt and felt uh, so many complicated thoughts around this scene. But the scene on the boat when like Delroy like it's like pissed about the chicken. Such a and, great scene. And, and and oh, yeah. like you know it blows up and it's it's a whole thing. But then it ends with him like pointing to everyone and going nigger 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 yellow nigger and then they all put the fists in. All of them. He was like, all of them. You two. He, he was like, Vin, you two. And they all do the fist thing. And I was just like, I love this. Like, the, mm. like there was so much pain mm-hmm. there, right? And like, and it, and obviously it was just, it was, it, it was, it was coming from us, right? Like it's coming from the black guy in this in the scene. But like when they all come together, it was just, it was just like this sort of beautiful, like, yep, like <laughs> where pe- we're we become pawns and tools in like this sort of larger thing. And like, and we only have each other. Let's put our fists in. I love, I loved that. Yeah. That was a really good scene. I mean, they did some wonders with Delroy's character, to be honest. Like he, I mean, he has so much pain, like he has so much pain. And, and I, and I understand a lot of, it, especially if you talk to like older black people who like lived through some stuff. So, um, it's just, man, I guess this whole movie is interesting because, yeah, just to get back to it, it's like, uh, uh, oh, wait. I guess I'm going to skip to like when Delroy's son comes, right? Um, when his son comes yeah, and like kind of like forces his way onto the trip, it kind of showed you that level of um, father son dynamic in that this is a dad who does love his son, probably doesn't know how to accurately show that kind of love. Um, and a son who just, you know, cares about his dad too, but also knows his dad is a very hardened um, individual. And I couldn't tell at first um, how this was going to play out, but you could tell like uh, later on when they're like sleeping in the woods and he wakes his dad up because he thinks he's hearing something and the dad jumps up and they're both side by side and they kind of have that, you know, your father loves you. You got a weird way of showing it and they kind of have that fun dialogue, but it's still very like loving. I was like, this is cool. You get to see like, even through all the madness, there is a real love there. Uh, it's just complicated. Because I feel like, again, like anytime I see like a black mm. dad and their son, I'm always on board. <laughs> like, dad's still there. <laughs> he, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, it's super complicated, though, because I don't know how much he was there in in life. Like, yeah. you know, like the son is basically like you owe, like the reason he is, <laughs> he's there. He's like, you owe me. Like, this is the least that you can do. And, you know, later on talks about the fact that his dad, like, he felt, like, hated by his dad his entire life since the day he was born. And, you know, it, it's that thing of, like, pain, the cycle of pain, right? Like, it's like, I feel like we talked about this in Fences, too, where it's like, one person has all this pain, and they and they feel, and they're so oppressed by the society around them, but then, t- because they want to feel you know, like they have some sense of power or they have some sense of control or just release of anger. They take it out on people who are lower than them, you know? And it's like, you know, that's what black men do to black women. And, and, and then this guy, you know, fathers sometimes do to their children or vice versa, whatever it is, you know, it's like, there's this, it's like really, it was like really, really sad to see, and then this super complicated relationship that they have throughout the whole movie where he wants... 
this is how I would actually phrase it. I feel like he wants to love his son, but he doesn't have, he has no idea how. Yeah. He, he just doesn't know how to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, he's and, holding on to yeah. too much like guilt, you know? Yep. Like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've only been a dad for like three, almost three years, but I do know that like part of it is working through a lot of your own stuff. So you don't pass it on to your kid. And I definitely understand that, like, that tendency and that that um, desire to kind of like stay away from certain things until you've like figured out how to work through them. And I don't think he just he just never learned how to work, work through that. I mean, it was something that he couldn't even really be honest about with other people because even in the scene where you know i mean obviously jumping ahead but even in the scene where he does finally find that forgiveness it's not with the the other bloods it's by himself on his own and it's almost like it's almost like it's too late in a way but yeah yeah it's like on his deathbed yeah essentially um fabulous yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we we've been jumping around. We don't have to go. We don't have to be too linear. But ba- basically, they the kind of the plot of the movie is there. They they buried this gold that they found um, when uh, when they went to do this mission, um, and it's just like all this gold, and they decided to bury that gold and come back for it. Um, I don't. I forget why it took them this long to come back. I don't know if they said. Oh, they or did. Whatever. They said um, uh, something happened where they couldn't find the plane. So. Oh, that's right. A storm it was a mudslide. Yeah, and yeah. a storm came, and they finally saw the tail end of the plane. That's how they knew where to go. They got it like government sanctioned to go get the body back and everything. Yeah. It was like they had paperwork. I was like, oh, you guys are official. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they they had paperwork, and then they had the secret plan that he you. Uh, sorry, I forget everybody's name in this movie, but um, the one guy who has a relationship, uh, or who had a relationship, uh, Clark Peters' character, Otis. Otis. He had a relationship with this Viet- Vietnamese woman, um, and he's he's like kind of use her connects to this French dude who's like, I guess a banker or whatever he is. Um, and there's this whole scene with them where they kind of like fight and they talk about, cause the French, you know, if people didn't know France own, like Vietnam was a France colony. Um, and they were there first. Um, and then they kind of like the, the Vietnamese kind of kicked them out and America came in because they were afraid that communism was going to, reign and we were fighting this war against communism the spread of communism throughout the world um which is hilarious to think about how much we were like we believe in democracy uh but we oh wait you want communism never mind we don't believe in that form of democracy we even if you (laughs) choose it yourself we decide that that's not okay so (laughs) yeah this makes no sense for us it's like all right guys Uh, (laughs) um so that's why, yeah, there was this relationship with the French. Um, and, you know, they had the, the funny scene where he was like, you guys, you would be in sauerkrauts and prop worse if it wasn't for us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say something before yeah. that? It was, was it weird to anybody else that, like, 
this half black, half Vietnamese woman walked in on her mom eating like a romantic dinner with the black man. Yo. And it wasn't just like, is this nigga my daddy? Yo. Because that would have been <laughs> my very, very first question. Yo. Which- I was like, unless, unless she's had like random black dudes throughout well, the house I their entire say. life. I would have been like, this nigga with the slick back, this is my daddy. Yo, the same hair. The we, moment like, she I, walked there's in. Quite, there's not just, yeah, I'm not just like, oh. oh go ahead, Jay. I yeah, have to hey. say, <laughs> I, I loved that scene. Yo. I loved that scene. <laughs> I was like, first of all, she walks in <laughs> and just sits there and I'm like, bruh. Oh no, she hugs. I'm like, yo, so we not going, we really not going dress that this chick is Vietnamese and black? And then on top of that, he just leaves. When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons toward your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Because shopping at Kroger, whether in-store or online, is easy. And saving money is even easier with the Kroger app. So get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Hey, this is Tim Heidecker, and I'm glad to be back in Glendale, California, in the studio with my good friends DJ Doug Pound and Vic Berger for another episode of our podcast, Office Hours Live. This week, we had a very special guest, his golden messenger, who played a beautiful tune for us. We laughed, we had fun, and you should tune in to Office Hours Live this week, and quite frankly, every week on your podcast app of choice or at youtube.com slash office hours live. Like he's like, is that me? <laughs> and then the next shot, instead of having that conversation or whatever it would have been, he pours a drink and then the next shot is him leaving the house. I'm like, Dude, we, this your whole kid. And you like we don't hear a piece of the conversation for real. That makes so much like that feels so realistic to me though. Like I feel like Clark Peters was so great in that scene because he was just like it took him a minute to get, even get the words out. He just saw her because you know he immediately knew yeah. and he was just like um. And then the woman's just <laughs> the mother just looking at him like, yep. say it. Yeah, <laughs> like, she didn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, but I, the thing I did like though. Um, and I, it took me a while. I had to replay it. Is that he didn't ask why she didn't tell him, but she told him how she was perceived. Because I'm assuming she probably was a, a prostitute at the time. Um, uh, but also the fact that she had like a black kid and then learning. Basically, what it sounded like to me is like a lot of the Vietnamese people learned about American racism from the white GIs. Cause she was like, yeah, they called me this word, which we didn't even know until the white GIs said it. <clears throat> and they, so they kept calling the daughter and they had names Talk for her. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this is, it's crazy because I always feel like, especially right now and what I like to call uh, the racism revolution. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people questioning like, can racism be, ta- is it taught? Is it learned? I mean, learned and like, it was an innate. And hearing that woman say, we didn't even know what that meant until the white GIs told us that. And when you think about it, these GIs were American GIs who are fighting side by side with the black GIs, but yet the white GIs are spreading more racial slurs like across the world to a place where like these black GIs are there to like protect and help each other out. So it's like, it just shows like the racism just never ended to me. It's like, it's it's 
these black soldiers were going through so much that they were trying to protect people back home. If they're on the field with a white GI, hey, you're part of my uh, platoon. Like, we're in it together. But yet these people still are calling them names, not only probably to their face, but to other people in the country. And it's like, you're just shown so much disrespect day after day after day. And you're watching so many atrocities happen. Like, to me, it's no wonder why so many people came back with, like, issues. It's, this dude had a whole kid and the mom is telling you they called me, like, a nigga lover. You know what I mean? That's basically what right. she's saying. Like, they didn't I like me or wrote, my kid. Like, they didn't like me or my kid. I literally wrote, in other countries, it still doesn't pay to be a nigger lover. Like, it's it just, crazy. You know. I mean, even now, uh, I'm sorry now I'm on this thing, but like, even now I've had friends who I've heard talk about not being able to take a black guy home. Can hook up with a black dude, can, you know, do whatever with a black dude, but they can't take that black dude home to their family. And these are like some people of color. And it's like, yo, I know you say this in like a joking or a calm way, but if you don't realize what this implies, it, it, this is now, I mean, this, this is a conversation I had as all this stuff is happening where his friends like, yeah, man, I feel bad. I had to have a talk with my parents. I'm like, yeah, man, if your parents are going to be mad that you're talking to a black person specifically, that is an issue. And it'd be like, you know what I mean? I, mean, I also understand we live in a world where like, oh man, you may like want your kid to uh, have a black wife or a black husband, but if you're like, no, you cannot bring this person home solely because of their skin color is an issue. And that's the country, we, the world we live in. And it sucks because I think it's, I think as we watch these movies, man, it feels like it's just spread by white Americans everywhere. Like this movie is telling you this was spread by white Americans in Vietnam. Like plain and simple. That's what this woman's saying to you. Uh, it's just so frustrating. Sorry. It's just well, it's so also this interesting balance too of like, they're both seen as like black soldiers and as Americans. The 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 scenes where people were confronting them as Americans were the ones that were the most uh, jarring for me because like I don't I am an American, but I don't think of myself as that first. And it's like only when you go to other countries do people kind of look at you as like you're an American first and then you're black. So like when I was in Japan, they're like, oh, you're from America, where? And it was just like about. America in general, but then like <laughs> they also did have that level where they're like black GIs, like why are you over here fighting? You guys have all this stuff going on, and even to what we were just talking about, where it's like, oh, you had a baby with a black man, girl, life is gonna be hard for you. But at the same time, everybody's just coming up to them using like the generic American terms, like GI, this you killed my, you know, they're they're getting just as much blame as. The people who are like actually all for the war and committing just as many right. atrocities as like probably they did. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like they probably didn't do nothing bad, but I'm sure it wasn't like what was really going on in some of these other places. And you kind of like they almost have that like double burden of like I'm here and people are seeing me as an American, which is kind of weird because sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But also, like, when they see me as black, it's bad. Like, that French dude definitely looked down on them because they were black and American. And the whole, like, MAGA, you would be speaking German speech obviously didn't help. I was just like, why they bring him to the meeting? Like, Delroy, (laughs) Delroy is the muscle. Like, you need, he should be standing outside the door making sure nobody walks in on this meeting. He should not be (laughs) at the bargaining table, like, when it's, like, a super, super sensitive subject. But 
it's just opened my eyes to kind of like a lot of just interesting things about what it means to be like black in America, what it means to be a black American. And then like when you go other places, how people perceive your blackness versus your Americanness and like what weight they like put on that. Dude, it's crazy. I was just talking about that last night. Like uh, a friend of mine and I went to uh, Spain. We went to like Madrid, uh, Ibiza and Barcelona. And in Barcelona, um, it was like they treated you like you were a unicorn because you were American, um, but you were like a black American. And so like it was like this special kind of thing because it, it almost felt like hip hop was very cool. So it was like you had the authentic hip hop, like even like uh, uh, the black um, European people were like, oh, America. But then if you were like from New York, it was even a heightened thing. It's like New York is the place of America. And people had so many questions. And I remember this one black uh, guy who was from like London or something was asking us, um, uh, what did he say? Uh, it, it was like, it was like, um, it was like the real, it was like, you ever have, like, I, I was drunk and this dude had like a real question at a moment that sobered me up. He was like, what, what is it like being in America and being black? I was like, oh man, you know, it's what it is. He's like, no, no, no. But that's the place that hates you. And he just said it in a way that it wasn't, he sounded so concerned, like almost like, how could you, like, how could you big up this place? And this place actively doesn't like you even now. And it was just a thing where I had no answer to. Because like, yeah, they didn't... Literally what's going on right now is like, you don't like me. You ain't like my parents. You didn't like my great-grandparents. You didn't like my great-great-grandparents. You didn't like my ancestors. Like, at no point in the history of being here in America have you ever shown that you've liked me. You've shown that you will deal with me to an extent to, like, get out of your hair. But you don't like me, you know? And I remember, like, me and my friends, when Trump won... Speaking of Paris, like we were in Paris at an airport and this drunk white woman like cursed us out for being American, not even being black. She, her first opening line was, um, uh, you know, Americans need to mind their own business. You know, that's true. Uh, uh, and then she also goes, you know, now you have an open races in the office. And what do you guys think? Do you do the blacks like him? I'm like, no, you, of course, of course, niggas, we don't like that, dude. Like we didn't vote him in. <laughs> um, but it was so funny to be cursed out at that point. Because I was an American, not because I was black. So it's like, yeah, you just you just going through the gambit, man, of like hatred. <laughs> you know? Like America does. We just poke our nose. Like what John was saying earlier, like Vietnam War is basically saying, hey, yeah, we respect democracy. Oh, but we don't like what you're about to do. So let's come fix that real quick. <laughs> and it's like, we have no jurisdiction over there. Ugh, this movie. Yeah. This movie. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what the that's what I'm saying. Like this movie like has so much to it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the the actual like the story because it's bouncing back and forth. So we we finally get to like the jungle. Honestly, I remember by, by the time they find the gold, I was like, oh man, what? How much of the movie left? And it was like I think it was still an hour and a half. It was an hour, hour. Yeah. Was an hour and twenty, like, dog. Hour and I did 40. the same check. Yo, I was like, wait a minute. 40. I was like, this has only been an hour. Yo, Yo this felt way longer than an hour. I don't even know why. Dude. Here's the thing. I was like, okay, now everybody's gonna start dying. That was exactly that's what the said? second they found the second they found the gold. I was like, okay, everyone's gonna start. We're gonna start seeing some people die, and now like. I totally thought, well, I thought they were, when they first were finding the gold, I thought somebody was going to 
die from a landmine then because we already had it set up. I thought the son, when he was like going to the, when he went to the bathroom, he was like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I was like, oh man, he's going to tink and then explode. I I was waiting for somebody to die from a landmine for like, I think for a straight 25 minutes before it finally happened. And and it sucked because I was like bracing for it because I was like, this is going to, I know this is going to be gruesome. Like it's going to be bad. Like I don't want to watch it. And so I was like sitting on the couch, like bracing for it them to like find a landmine and it was like gold gold and he was like there's another one over here i was like this dude's gonna die but like, <laughs> yeah, every time so. he was like yeah. he was like oh it's all right here i was like oh, oh, oh no and and then like and then they kept digging it up and then it was gold gold anytime they were all together it made me feel a little more relief and then anytime someone went away from the group i was like that dude's gonna die i thought somebody was gonna get shot when they were at the go because they were just so happy and so loud i was like yo i thought that too but, but also it's so bad because i know john's gonna hate when i say this What's this guy's name? Um, uh, uh, Eddie Norm Norm Lewis. Lewis. Like I had seen him because I saw Jesus Christ Superstar, but I was like, he's not that famous. This dude gonna die soon. Like the whole time, go home. No, wait a minute. No, this dude (laughs) gonna die soon because like I don't know him. Like I only know him because I saw. I know he works a lot, so I'm not. I'm not trying to distance actor, but I'm like in comparison to the other three bloods. I'm like, you're the lesser known blood. You got to be the first blood black out. Famous. Yeah, exactly. You got to, you gonna be the first blood out. And then when my man started walking backwards, I was like, "Don't no nigga yep. walk backwards, yeah. dog." No, yeah. yeah. When he walked backwards, he was walking backwards for a minute. I was like, "This yeah. dude's." Going but also, I was like, "Yo, die. why would you walk backwards?" That the the, the closed <sighs> captions uh, is what tipped off when it was gonna happen though, because the closed caption, like, I, I was like waiting for as things trailed off. Like if it had an ellipsis, I was like, "Okay, cool." They have more to say. But then he had a line that had like dash dash, and I was like, "Oh, he about to." <laughs> yeah. Yo, it's the moment. <laughs> my man. First off, my man kept. That was the most gruesome. But why was he walking yeah. backwards? It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like it was. It was so... the most gruesome a death probably that I've ever seen. My man had no arms on camera. Nothing below yeah. his chest. Like when we heard him screaming, I was like, oh, "Okay, maybe." You know, maybe he's like it's a leg, you know, mostly together. Like, it's like yeah. <laughs> and they cut to him, and just he's a torso. He was a torso. That's all yeah. he was. I was like, that was so gross. But also, for some reason, I forgot about landmines. But then I went back. Not went back. I thought about the fact that um, the son had a conversation with that white woman about yeah, exactly. landmines, and like this whole yeah. time, no one is concerned, dude. Not only, and that's why I knew it was coming. But then, even yeah. like a scene or two later. <laughs> Everyone's just walking around like there still aren't landmines. <laughs> I was like, well, even when this when the sun steps on it, it's like, bruh, the other dude just stepped on the landmine. Somebody said it's a minefield, and your reaction is to just like walk away. Like, of course you're gonna step on something. Like you you you're not being you're not being smart right now. You're not I mean, I get freaking out, and I can't say what I would do if somebody blew up in front of me. However, if somebody was like a minefield, I feel like I've seen enough movies and played enough video games. It's like, well, I know one place there isn't a mine, and that's where I'm standing right now. So <laughs> I will not also, be moving. Yeah, I tell you this. Also, if I saw team, that body, wait, been, oh, go ahead, James. Sorry. Well, just that that team also had equipment. So it was like, yeah. why did they not, after like after everything goes down, have a why metal don't they detector? Just, yeah, just use it. <laughs> they had the metal detector the entire time also my thing is once the sun i will say this i did think this part was kind of cool though when the sun is uh 
on the the landmine. I was like, so what does the sun do? Does he just like jump or run? Because Delroy didn't give him real instructions. You know what I mean? Like he did. He said, "Remember the the track star." So okay. So was that to jump also, or was that to run? I thought that he also like maybe he ran track himself because moments before this we see him like hurdle over something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And like so, it seemed like when he said like who went there, it was like no, that's also that's like part of. You know, like I, it felt like that was like a character thing for him. Too. I think it was both. It was like you jump, jump around at the same time. That shot did look cool when they yanked him. It was great. And he had his hand straight up in the air, and then he landed and just kept scene. running to his dad. <laughs> he just kept yo. That was great. It was smart. Uh, I know, and I also loved what because the woman they're like, okay, how can can you help him? He was like, yeah, he just has to lift his leg up and hope he doesn't blow up. And they're like, what? That, yeah. That? <laughs> It's like, is this what y'all do? Yeah, it's like, this the plan? Like, if somebody y'all work with step on the mind, it's just like, well, like, we were a team of four, but <laughs> now <laughs> this is who made it out. I'm going to tell you what's um, so crazy. The only thing I thought about when it came to Lamb, I'm sorry, Brett, is that humans are horrible. Like, humans are, like, like for real, for real, that's the only, I kept thinking is like, yo, people, war is so bad that something was created to hide in plain sight, that could kill a person in a gruesome way, and it's like if you if you think you know for for beyond the like brief seconds that we when when we think about weaponry, like if you think about any weapon for any longer than that, they're all horrible. <laughs> like they're all they're all terrible. It's like yeah. why do we do this? <laughs> why Guys, do we, we do this? We literally created a bomb. That harnesses the power of splitting an atom. <laughs> yeah, Dude, it's, but you got, that uh, that literally decays like everything around it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is, that can kill awful. hundreds of thousands of people in seconds. We could. Well, the crazy the crazy thing about like minefields are, where is the map? For you to be able to just be like, all right, we're gonna go back and get these. You just like They're no, so you just like throwing them out like like seeds mm-hmm. and like years and years like Vietnam War was how many years ago and it's still active like mines out there because people mm-hmm. are just like I don't give a fuck like somebody step yeah. on it they step on it but they're not supposed to be here anyway you yeah. know what I mean and there's no that contingency was... plan for yeah. like the future of like well what happens when the war is over do we go back and get them yeah people don't think about that they think about winning right now this battle this 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 mission whatever um yeah they, they, exactly i mean agent orange the same thing they didn't think about the ha- like horrible consequences that napalm and agent orange would have for decades and decades and decades later for both obviously the vietnamese people but also american soldiers who were there and breathed that stuff in as well like it's um it's 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 uh that the song war what is it good for absolutely nothing is pretty on (laughs) but also what is Uh, what's so scary too man is i um i was reading that in dc i think uh i mean nothing happened but um people started um like over some of the protests maybe not last week but the week before so like two weeks ago um people saw like actual military drones flying over and i'm just thinking in my head that Again, nothing happened, but the fact that we have a military drone just kind of like flying over American protesters, unarmed protesters, is kind of insane because it just shows how quickly 
things can escalate to such a violent place and it can be done dude it can be done from a room like all of us could have a whatever setup if we work for the military in our whatever base and never have to even see or breathe the same air as a person we are trying to you know eradicate and it's just these weapons are disgusting dog it's again if you're telling me you stockpiling these weapons to fight the aliens one day cool i seen independence day they coming we gotta be ready but for other humans but also, wait but what do we have to be ready for like do we really have to be just ready to fight aliens you're right like? you're right they might well, be cool but here's the problem with that if they get to us we done they've already mastered interstellar travel warp speed <laughs> So you know they got better guns. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what what are we gonna be able to do? When, Nuke when ourselves like gets here. Independence Day. They never talk about that. They did they even talk about that in the oh, in, uh, in the next Independence Day sequel? It how they have. nuked that, an American city. <laughs> that sequel was trash. Oh wow! Did oh wait, James? Did they? No, they might they might have because remember you know like what's his name goes crazy. Whitmore goes crazy. So like, yeah. you know, I feel like he went crazy for a lot of reasons. Like he he approved <laughs> the the nuclear bomb in where was it Detroit? Where were they at? Yeah, it was like a city. It was like a real yeah. city. I thought it was like oh, was it Detroit? I thought it was like Texas or something. But okay, Dallas might have been. I mean, it was some city, but it was yeah. some like big city. But it was know, over like, a city. <laughs> it, it was a city. Is what I, I couldn't remember which one. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, if they anyway. That's we, important. Uh, we should talk more about <laughs> Independence Day research. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, we do have to start wrapping up. But, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, we go on this whole journey where they're basically, they ki- they kidnap these people. Also, the sequence of those, those, I just have to point out the fact that they tied them up and then the next shot they're walking and they yeah. do not have rope on them. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even a little and bit. And then the next shot they're tied up on a tree and I was like, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? Um, and they, I guess they tied them up because they're afraid that they're going to tell officials that they're, like, taking this gold, which is pretty wild. I don't know why they would. Like, Because I, I, they didn't crazy. even know about the, they didn't want them to cut them in. But they like, didn't I even know about the gold until he said it. You got 50 bars of gold and you ain't supposed to have it. Like, hey, bro, you want me to be quiet? You're going to have to either kill me or pass me a couple bricks when we get out of here and... You know, I won't. I won't tell nobody nothing. That's what De- that's what Delroy is thinking. He's thinking it's right. all a setup. Cause like you randomly walking in the woods of Vietnam, you broker in a deal with this French dude, and all of a sudden, this random ass French people come out of the woods in the middle of a minefield. That's, I. I mean, and you got PTSD. That smells like a setup to me. I mean, I'm yeah. Paul. <laughs> He's like, I feel like it was right. I mean, but then we also saw very early on when they had the gold. And there were Vietnamese rebels um, tracking them in the woods. But we, it took like a solid 20-something minutes before they actually came back. Because you saw them when they got the gold. A bunch of stuff transpired. And then they finally appeared. Um, and uh, that battle sequence was kind of crazy. Uh, when a dude swiped his like knife at Delroy. And Delroy was like, man, fuck this. Like, yo, I will say this. Paul was with the shits like he was not scared of nobody <laughs> he was like every time well, they were like oh don't say this he's like nah man fuck that and he, when he was talking to the, the the french dude he's like nah man fuck that this french dude was doing what <laughs> like you soft they and were pointed like, at us, they were like give us the gold or we'll kill him and they were was like he ain't our friend <laughs> <And I was> like, <laughs> 
And then, and then the first dude was like all shocked. I'm like, why are you shocked? They just yeah. literally had you tied up and were planning on probably. Yeah, I don't know you. why. Yeah, I don't know that's why, why you were running all. away from them, and that's why you got caught by these Vietnamese people because. Delroy was going to fucking kill you. So when he's like, shit, kill him. I don't care. I'm not giving you no gold for him. And then he's like, what? What do you mean? And it's like, bruh, have you been watching this movie? Also, the fact they had no guns most of the time was crazy. I was like, you went and... I mean, I know the war was over, but I was like, y'all didn't have no protection except for this one pistol? There's no way in hell I was going in that... There's no way in hell I'd be a Vietnam vet and go through the jungles of Vietnam with no gun. That's why when they found that one, and they they were just like, oh, he was going like backstab us. And I guess it looked like that because he didn't tell them he had a gun. But if he had told him, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's probably smart. We might run but, into a couple people, especially if you don't trust the French dude. You're like, we but, need something because. Yeah, he had the gun. That, like, she gave him the gun. And the reason he felt like he needed the gun wasn't because of other Vietnamese people. It was because of that. He was, she was like, you you know you never know i know you've known them for a long time but like oh. you know gold gold makes people do crazy things and so she wanted him to have it for protection um but she from, gave from him them. a wheelbarrow because i was like when i was like yo. i don't know how all these old niggas don't yo, carry all this gold i know yo. how do they carry it i thought about that the whole time i'm like they carry this gold for two long sports. in the jungle <laughs> and they had the, the heat and they had the guy's out. bones too right wait what are you oh, saying yeah. i was james well, yeah, they did. They did have to get the guy's bones, but then my the, my my man, I think it was Whitlock, like threw out his hip pills. Like he was, yes. like, he threw yeah. out. He needed pills for his bones. And he, also, I was like, his hey, manhood. I was like, just make these other. If you're gonna tie them up and make them your prisoners, you might as well make them carry the gold. Facts. Facts, man. Y'all carrying this shit. Make them carry the gold. They can't run away with that heavy bag of gold. You chase them down every time. Also, was it distracting to any of you guys? It was at first for me um, when the two white guys showed up because they were the two main bad white guys and black Klansmen. So so the one that blew up was the bad, (laughs) he was the bad guy. And then the the heavier set one was the other uh, bad guy. And for some reason, when they showed so I knew up, I didn't like that nigga. I couldn't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I I, I remember. I saw the other movie that he was just in. Uh, uh, Richard, uh, the dude about Richard the guy Jewel. at the Richard Jewel. Yo, yeah. one side note. Um, my uncle uh, got us t- tickets to the Olympics that same day that bomb went off at Olympic Park. Whoa. So that was in the morning, and we were supposed to go see the track and field that afternoon. And what was so crazy is that they shut nothing down. So a bomb went off. The games still went on. And now I'm thinking about it. We went. It was still packed. A bomb, guys. Oh, my Lord. The fact that there's so many, that you can Google how to do some of this stuff online is so sad. And Yeah. Anyway. uh, Anyway. (laughs) So we get a final showdown because... Basically, uh, there's this whole shootout. One guy leaves, but they're like, he's going to go get a bunch of other people. He's going to come back. Their, their car uh, got shot up, so they can't, they can't really use it too much. Delroy's like, I'm going by myself. We're going, I'm going through the jungle. And they were like, okay, man. And so they went to the ruins to have a final showdown. So you knew Delroy. 
You knew this man dude yeah. about to die. And he started doing his whole, he started doing his his prayer, which sounded like a dub, because his body was just walking, but he was giving this cr- like crazy. Uh, it was cool. But that this whole like end speech and monologue, and then him talking with Chadwick's ghost, because he kept talking about he sees ghosts, and they're like, Yeah, we all do. He was like, No. And we were like, Well, what? <laughs> and then we realized it's because he killed his friend accidentally. Um and he and then he's like, "Hey, it's not your fault. It was an accident." How'd y'all feel about you him know? break like talking straight to camera, like um doing this uh, sequence? Like, this I feel like the, almost every time he talked, he was talking like directly down the lens. This was the moment I realized I really wanted to see a Spike Lee play because he always does that where you know, like where it'll be like, "This is not a monologue straight to camera." No. I liked I liked this version of it where it was sort of like it did kind of start like it was just like him kind of talking to himself. And then shifted into like direct to camera. Yes, you know? I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and you know, like, and just Deroy's character, I thought it was I, I I was such an interesting character that like to hear him going deeper into his philosophy, his you know, and in, in his last moments, but like deeper to his philosophy of like what got him here and like and like how you know resilient he's gonna be. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a classic spikeism. Like he had a absolutely. lot of them in there, and but I think like this is one of the first times where I feel like he used it as a tool to like illustrate something. It was almost like the more deeper into like his psychosis, Paul got the more he's like he's talking to camera. So now I'm sitting there like, am I one of the ghosts that he's like talking to all the time? And he's like, right. he's he's just like yelling what we feel like into nothingness, but when you consider like his mind state and then, you know, he gets bit by, by a snake and I'm sure he's got all kinds of stuff happening to him. Once that happens, it's just kind of like, it's just really like sobering experience of like, this dude is literally by himself. You know, he, there's nobody else around and this anger, everything that he's like letting out right now is, it's all like a lifetime of just being treated poorly and pushed into situations that are beyond his control situations that he personally doesn't want to be like involved in and he just has to like deal with them aftermath i thought that's why it was so interesting why he was just talking about how like he was like i will decide like when and how i die because he's just like america's been fucking trying to kill me they sent me to this war three times trying to kill me they pumped me with agent orange and all this other shit trying to kill me it's like i'm not going down and then (laughs) <laughs> that's like the classic like okay so you're about to die because you just said you're right. gonna choose the hubris, how you die, yeah. So. yeah and i think even just like yeah. other stuff like spike always like puts in like these like little like nods to like african culture so I, or like there's like this uh when he falls and the bag of gold is like hovering above him it's almost like this nod to like one of Aesop's fables about like the fox trying to get the like grapes or whatever. And mm. it's just like what he wants is it's like just out of reach. He's done all this work. And at the end of the day, like the thing that he's been fighting so hard for, he just can't get it. And that's, he's just like, it. fuck it. <laughs> that's yours, Norman. Like you can have it and just like walks off. And nigga ain't got no guns. He just like, he's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Crazy! Somebody's gonna find that gold though, and it's gonna be a good no. day for them. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Snake took him out basically, <laughs> I mean, basically. right? Because I I feel yeah. like he wouldn't have got jumped by those guys if if that if he wasn't like yeah. freaking hopped up on Snake. Venom. I mean, also they're like you're drunk, yo. Well, and he shot the snake, and that's what gave him the yeah. like clue to like where he was. Yeah, yo, yeah, that my too. man when he was up here singing, I was like, this is real. But when they lit him up like that, I was like, whoo, yo, too yeah. many bullets yeah that was gross and they kept um, it was so much attention to this uh, make america great again hat like that thing just kept passing from person to person i feel like it's a symbolism in that and how dirty that hat got towards the end i just don't know what it was i just know it was well, something i mean they they put his blood on the hat like <laughs> like to the blood of black people mm. is like what you know what i mean it's like it what feeds yeah. into what makes America great again? Oh. Right, it's built off the built off the blood and the backs of black people. And then the when the white guy people. puts it on at the end, what, is that like? Because all that matters is money, and that's the that's the that's the like major philosophy in that like dismantling racism is so hard in the minds of all these old white men because. Once you dismantle like the system, the system is designed to keep them with all the money and all the power. When you dismantle the system, you have to you have to get by on your own merits now. And a lot of people just like don't have what it takes. Like I watched the um, that Toni Morrison interview she did with uh, Charlie Rose, where she was just like, you know, if you have to keep somebody on their knees to make yourself tall, once they stand up, like what do you? What do you really like? What? How do you get ahead then? Like, how? How are you? How? How do you show you're the best? And so, a lot of people just have this fear of like, if we give everybody everything, that's why you, you hear them preaching like that myth of like, well, if they get, if we give them that, then what will we have? And it's like it's not a pie to be like divided up and taken. You know, it's like everything is for everybody, man. Just give people fair, fair opportunities and. Like he was just kind of like, you know, he just represented another line of thinking of the MAGA people. So it's like Delroy represented those people who like never had anything but buy into the philosophy because the philosophy says if you buy into this, you will get yours. But like because we're going to get rid of all the people who are keeping you from getting yours, even though right. we're the people keeping you from getting yours. Mm. <laughs> the French dude is like the other side of that where it's just like, I don't give a shit. Who wins? I don't care about any of this. All I care about is the money. Like that's why she was. He was like, "This we deserve this because we're black." And he was just like, "I don't give a fuck if you're black. Like your blackness has no bearing over the reasons why I decided yeah. to like, double cross y'all." Because if, if, if it was probably five yeah. white Americans, he would have did the same shit. Right. So he's like, "I was gonna screw you either black. way. Don't worry about he's that." Right. <laughs> Right, which is like a uh, whole portion of like the MAGA philosophy that I feel like right. gets swept under the rug. It's like I feel like that's like that liberal wing of white supremacy, where it's just like, exactly. well, it's not about race; it's about merit and it's about money, and we have to open the economy because people. And it's just like, no, man, fuck that. All you care about is money, man. Yeah, that's it. That's the bottom line. That's all you care about, and you'll use whatever philosophy and you'll uphold whatever system. In order to like maintain that status quo, man, it's just so crazy. Uh, before we go, I just wanna I just wanted to talk to Hollywood for a second. 
you know, as we go into, uh, you know, this revolution or this reckoning that has come upon um, the races of the world, I've been looking at some of the things that have been greenlit by uh, Hollywood as the call for more diversity um, in movies and stuff are happening. And you know what? I think it's okay for me to say this. I feel like it's not moving fast enough. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's been two weeks, baby. I feel like it's been two weeks. Everybody's still been working. Every exec still got a job. We haven't laid anybody off. People still green lighting shows. I done heard about three different shows with like white producers. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Um, when we starting to pull the green light buttons on some of these black projects, because um, y'all had two weeks. And I know people are like, it's only two weeks. <laughs> By the time this come out, it's gonna be three weeks. You at work. You know what I'm saying? To it's me, just it's just, your step. Wait, I'm saying, the thing is, my thing is, you've been at work. <laughs> two weeks. Brother, no. They have no. decades. What, what I'm saying is, about two weeks. but this is my point, Bray. My point is, is that you had a long time. Everyone has done some quote. Everyone has done some political thing. I'm going to donate money. And these are the two things I would love to say. Um, people, please keep marching. Please keep fighting. But every time someone's like, oh, I love that Juneteenth is going to be a national holiday. It should have been one. I love that like these companies are now talking about investing in black um, projects. They should have been doing that. But one major thing still isn't happening fast enough. Two for me. One, what about the cops, though? I still feel like a lot of this was dealing with cops, and I still ain't hearing enough about cop reform. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Breonna Taylor's uh, Gillis still ain't in jail. I feel like I keep hearing about like Netflix. Uh, I keep hearing about like Hulu. I keep hearing about like Sony Pictures talking about black projects. I haven't seen a plethora of green lit projects yet. And like John said, we talking about decades. Y'all niggas came out in the open and said two weeks. When you gonna do the joint in two weeks? I'm gonna give you a month. Cause I'm like, you know what? Black folk been pitching y'all before y'all did these quotes. I'm pretty sure black folk have been pitching y'all now that it's revved up. So you got projects to pick. I looked at Ava DuVernay's like little chart. I know y'all ain't got no black people on these execs. I want to see some hiring. You tell me you can't find no black person to hire to be an exec at what? Disney? Disney ain't got one black exec. Sony, not one black universal. Not one high up black exec. No SVPs. No VPs, no presidentes. You know what I'm saying? Fix it. I think now we at a time where like Hollywood, we gonna hold y'all accountable. Fix it, or show me the baby steps that you are fixing it. Tell me you had a hire. Let me go on LinkedIn and see some job posts. It ain't gotta be right away. I get it's hard, but I gotta see the steps. Don't just give niggas money because the money ain't hurting you. Money's a tax write off, bro. This ain't doing nothing for you. You know, like do the job. Let me see. Let me see John the Braylock with the movie out. Let me see James III with a cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Don't, like, do the thing. I just want the thing. Uh, all right. I'm going to bring this shit up every week now. Because I'm like, until I start seeing some more posts of, like, this drink got greenlit, I don't care. It's weird for you to I bring tried- that up on our podcast. Go ahead, James. I tried to say it before, <laughs> but but Zoom uh, was cutting me out. But it just seemed like when you were saying two weeks, like you were talking to someone in particular. Like it seemed like you were talking to <laughs> just a specific person. James, it's not about but that. There's th- <laughs> another thing I, I realized while I was watching the movie is, um, you know, like as throughout the movie, you know, like as um, Jonathan Majors, like he, as he gets close to the French girl, like his dad is like, you know, she gonna get, she gonna push your buttons in a weird way, right? And like she does, he does kind of like 
she play she plays into his like romantic side and he like almost lets her go and like i realized like oh he's getting weaker when he's around the, the, the white girl, right? And that's just like in Hancock, you know, <laughs> like when he gets weak, he gets weaker when he's around, you know, the, around the white girl. But what that movie sort of says is like they need, they need it to be together. Like black and white, black men and white women need to be together, you know? And that just made me think that, that Hancock's a bad movie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. I um, thought you was about to bring the swirl back. <laughs> no, man. Ain't nobody bringing the swirl back, bro. Like, no, it's gone. It's not happening. Not in this day and age. There could have been a swirl in this movie. But though. this is my third well, But see, I don't like don't how she kiss? was like, I would never sleep with you. And I was like, whoa, time out, man. Yeah, this never. Feels, it feels a little. It feels a little racial when you. When yeah, you, the way so, you're saying it right now. It's, it's like her, his father's <laughs> there too. Like, come on now, he he's the one holding everybody hostage. But, but is there a reason they had to be French? Like, that's not me. It's my daddy, baby. That's my daddy. Like, I understand why she was French, but for some reason, like the fact that the people that survived were like the young black dude, one black dude, two white people. I was like. Man, I just wish his love interest at least was with a Vietnamese woman. I was like, the fact that she was like a blonde white woman. Here's what I like. But the other dude had a Vietnamese woman. Yeah, I really liked this because we at at the end the survive we see people we see the 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 Vietnamese woman that helped um, that is the father of uh, my man's kids. Right? She she helped. And 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 is a surviving member of this movie, right? Then we get, um, you know, then we get the the mind people, the French mind people that are like that are like trying to help the good. Then we get the black people in America that are donating to Black Lives Matter and stuff. And I just liked the sort of like universe. It seemed like there was like a universal or like uh like a worldwide sort of call to action, and everybody is 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 trying their hardest to make this work, you know, and like, and it, and it really helps to sort of paint the, like, you know, at the end, they're like, you know, <laughs> Martin Luther King died fighting for these United States. It's like, it sort of points out like the villain here is this, right. And then there are all these other people sort of rising up to try to come against them. Mm, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. The ending was, that was, that was cool. It, it That one shot though, with the daughter, and him was a little weird to me. There was like the smile, and I was like, okay, I understand they're smiling, and I'm glad that they like. I hated that. Got shot. to reunite, but like, let's be real. Like, <laughs> she's lived a like 40 years of Earth without her father, 40, 50 years without her father at all. Like, I don't know if they just gonna be smiling like this. Also, <laughs> no, like, but this why does Spike have to do was- that shot? Sorry, go ahead, James. Well, yes. So Spike does have to do the shot. I think, like, he, I like that. You know, Spike got the shot in, right? His trademark. But then also, the shot wasn't about. They weren't really smiling like that. The the, the shot was sort of that was their inner joy of of finally finding each other. You know, and, and that was the representation mm-hmm. of that inner joy that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what Spike Spike's trying to tell us that when you separate a, a, a father from their child, there's no joy. But when they come together, hmm, interesting. Um, anyway, <laughs> Zoom church down here too. It's 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 time it's time for uh, <laughs> it's it's time for the cause. We rate and review films not based on how much uh, we like them, but whether or not they help the cause of more leading black actors in Hollywood. So if we feel like a full film fully helped the cause, we give it a black fist. Somewhat helped the cause, we give it a white palm. If we feel like it didn't help the cause at all, we don't give it anything. All right. So on the count of three. 
Gonna raise up our rating for the cause. <laughs> why, Here we go. Why are you saying it like One, that? James, we two, see you. Three. All right, four, four black, black fans. <laughs> I mean, come on, of, of course. You, it, <laughs> um, these actors have all been working, but I feel like this is probably the most screen time any of them got in a, in a movie. Yeah, man. Right? Delroy, I can't. Yeah. Like he's been in. Not Delroy. I've never seen him as the lead lead in a long Not time. Delroy. As a lead lead, where he gets like mono, like monologues straight to camera, like several scenes, like. You, we talk about this a lot. Like, oh, what's your, what's your, uh, like, if you get nominated for Oscar, what's your um, scene? You know, moment yeah. gonna be? I was like, I don't I, know. He got a couple. Yo, <laughs> when, yeah. When, what, what would his scene be? Would it be like him talking about the ghost? Would it be like one of the monologues at the end? Would it be him on the ground being like, you ain't my son? Like, he has so many moments in this movie. Ooh, and the dancing. <laughs> Actually, this might be yeah. Delroy's big jo- I said Jonathan not Delroy, too. but. No, I think maybe this was. I mean, Jonathan had great scenes too. Like, um, um, uh, also that dude is so he's, that he's, dude is so jacked. He's so jacked. Yeah. I was like, also, I, I would have had my shirt off way more. In this yeah, movie I, if I, was I know there was a scene with his shirt off, and I was like, I was like, I was like, it feels like the reason he has his shirt off in the scene was he was like. Dude, you told me I was going in a war movie. I got jacked. Like you giving me one scene. Exactly. With my shirt. Like, bro, I'm doing. I'm like, here, use this Morehouse shirt to tie my uh my leg wound up, so I can fucking show these muscles in here. So I'm yeah, have her spray me down with some water. Yeah, I mean, I I am very excited to see what he does because again, I'm I'm not trying to overhype it because clearly the TV show isn't out. But I think, especially everyone on this podcast right now, I think like. If you watch um, Lovecraft Country, like John will probably like the political aspect of it. Like, you know, like Jeff, like they, they are like crazy visuals. James, there's like a very heavy sci-fi thing to the book as well. And like, like ghosts and all those kind of elements. And I'm like, I think when it comes out, it's going to be like really, really cool. And it's probably going to be a thing all we right. will review. <laughs> you hyping it up. Some way. Um, and it may just take him over to be like one of the next guys. You know what I mean? Like he could be a villain um, in Black Panther right. too, you know. I don't know who, but True. you know he could be in that. Sure. Um. All right, uh, Jeff. Thanks so much yes. for coming on yeah, the podcast, brother. man. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, where can people see your wonderful artwork? Follow you on social. Um, JPNT17 on all social media. Um. I'm working on my website right now, so when I when I update it, I'll just shoot some out on socials about that. Um, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Oh, I'm not no actor or nothing like. I that. I feel like we have to say it. I'm not sure if we did, but like just so people know, Jeff did our logo, like our, our, our updated logo, and does a lot of art. Like I know him and James do stuff together. Like my man is out here, you know. So Jeff, your work is great, man. I remember that when we first saw the. Remember, like, the ice cream truck? I had the little swirl ice cream on it, you know? That stuff was fire. John was on a Segway. James was looking like Hancock. I remember those. Man, that felt like a forever ago. Good God. Uh, it, well, because it was forever ago. That's yeah. why it felt like Wow. That That's was a long time ago. had beef. <laughs> <laughs> but we squashed it. We squashed yeah, it. we squashed the beef. Um. Uh, you can follow us at Blackman Podcast. Blackmanpodcast.com is our website. You have links uh, to our merchandise and our defunct Patreon. But hey, we still got those episodes up there. So, you know, if you want to yeah. go 
Yeah, check that we out. We got merch, um, baby. We got new t-shirts. Yeah, that's right. New t-shirts. Yeah, man, we got some new t-shirts. Good movie. It looks, again, man, the um, color scheme is fire right in time for summer. So head over to Public, grab some of them things. Um, and if you rate and review us on iTunes, give us five stars. We'll read your review on the air. I don't think I've read these ones. These are a little older, but th- these are great. Th- this one uh, is from Death Mop. I don't think I read this. It's Three White Palms. Can you guys please review Keenan and Kel? Two heads are better than none. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, what is that? What is, is that? Two heads are better than none. I don't want to do that to my to Keenan and Kel. I don't want to do that to them. It's a TV movie. It's like the it's there. It's <laughs> wait, what? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. It's a TV movie that they made. We can't review it. It's not a. It doesn't fall under our. It doesn't fall under our. You know what we trying to do? Like the criteria. <laughs> wait, what's it called, James? Two uh, heads are better than one. Two heads are better than none. None. Um, this one is. Uh, yeah, most, I'm pretty sure we haven't done this either. This is a, a funny and insightful podcast by Kyle uh, Sweet Swayze or Swayze, 1987. The friendship and chemistry between Jonathan James and Keon Walters from Chicago PD. <laughs> what? <laughs> makes this podcast a wonderful <laughs> and engrossing listen. Their insights and perspectives have given them given more appreciation of movies I already enjoy and have led me to watch many new favorite films. In addition to many interesting conversations on why my coffee mug says black men can't jump in Hollywood. T Public, baby. Wow. Would love to hear their thoughts on a soldier story and Eve's Bayou. But we should yeah, we do Eve's Bayou. Bayou. I think we talked about that before. That person gets a gold star for that. Honestly, very well played. Because I was like, who the fuck? Wow. Who's Keon Walters? Wow, very well played. That's you. Very well Gerard, played. How did it feel? How did it feel to be referred to <laughs> as a character you played once? Honestly, James, I didn't like it. I, hey, Gerard, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Especially not after hearing y'all four names. I was like, who the fuck? <laughs> but you know what? Even though I didn't like it, I've learned nothing from this experience. <laughs> I've learned nothing. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, uh, I forgot what we're reviewing next week. I think there is a black film coming out soon. I don't know. Guys, if Tenet comes out, are we going to see it or what's going to happen? I think I pushed back again. Get- I think I am. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go to the theaters and see it. Oh, you're going to go to the... I know Universal. I'm really interested to know what's going to happen with all that stuff. Anyway, uh, okay, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. What's up, Black Men Can't Jump comic book fans? James III here to talk to you about my comic series, Junior, available now on Kickstarter. The ghost with the most past due child support is back in four brand new issues of this semi-autobiographical supernatural comic series. It's got all sorts of spooky hijinks for fans of Beetlejuice, The Good Place, and The Mummy, stuff like that, and features award-winning artists from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and more. It's available on Kickstarter through June 9th. Go to ruleof3inc.com or follow me at ruleof3inc on IG for more details. Donate today! 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.